Welcome to this podcast featuring Amir Sarfati, founder and president of Behold Israel. Behold Israel provides biblical teachings through its tours, speaking events, and social media. It's also a reliable and accurate source for developments in Israel and the region. Amir's live updates and teachings are based on God's written word. Connect with Behold Israel on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. Download our free app, available on Android and Apple, under Behold Israel. The title of the message this uh, afternoon, if you're still awake, is How Close Are We to the Rapture? I love this because it's the shortest message I will ever give in my life. The one slide, very. <laughs> we can move to the question and answers right now if you want. But for the sake of those of you who are struggling with the concept of what is the rapture all about, let me remind you that in the letter that Paul wrote to the church in Thessaloniki, a church in northern Greece, probably the only one that I can think of that had no Jews in it, and therefore no Old Testament verses were ever quoted in, that, in those epistles. And it's interesting because he said to them, I do not want you to be ignorant brethren concerning those who have fallen asleep. This is the biblical term for those who died as believers. You see, we as believers, we don't die and, and enjoy that death that is so final and it's so destructive. No, we just fall asleep. And when your child falls asleep, all you do is you take him and you move him to bed. So he falls asleep here and he wakes up here. Lest you sorrow as others who have no hope. He says, listen, any believer, even if he dies, he's not dead. He's no longer, it's not like he's no longer going to live. And this is our hope. So why do you cry and mourn and, and lament as if you have no hope? If we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with him those who sleep in Jesus. In other words, once Jesus rose from the dead, that's when death was basically defeated. And so from now on, when a person dies as a believer, what happens to his soul? Goes to be with Jesus instantly. To be absent from the body is to be what? Which means the soul will and can be absent from the body. The death, when death comes. And when Christ comes, he's not going to say to those souls, wait there, I'll just go and get these. No. He says, he will bring all those people that you're now crying about that you are lamenting over, that you are so sad for, they're going to come back. And guess what? You're probably going to say, yeah, but it's only their souls. We, are, we, 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 we miss their bodies also. <laughs> Wait a minute. Their soul will come and unite with their body. So watch this. 
For this way we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we, say we, we who are, are you alive? Check your pulse right now. We that are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will by no means precede those who are asleep. In other words, if you attended a funeral of someone who died as a believer and the rapture takes place two minutes later, hmm, he will get there first. Watch this. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with a voice of an archangel, and with a trumpet of God. Now, a lot of people wish it was today or yesterday because of the Feast of Trumpets. It is today. You know. Hello? Do you understand? It's Rosh Hashanah. Rosh Hashanah is not a, is not a biblical name. You need to understand. Rosh Hashanah is not in the Bible. The feast in the Bible that is mentioned is the Feast of Trumpets. That's the biblical name. Yom Tru'ah, Feast of Trumpeting. And uh, it's interesting because, look, I believe with all of my heart that all the festivals of Israel from Leviticus 23 have been, are, and will be fulfilled in Israel, for Israel, and it will affect, of course, the whole world. In other words, when Passover was fulfilled, where was it fulfilled? In Jerusalem, of course, during a Jewish festival, right in front of the eyes of the Jews. When the Feast of Unleavened Bread, which is the sinless life of Jesus, was fulfilled, where was it? In Rome or in Patmos or in um, somewhere in, in uh, Spain where there is some, some I don't know, uh, miracles of a statue with some tears or whatever. Where was it fulfilled? In Jerusalem. What about the Feast of First Fruits? The resurrection of Jesus. Where did it happen? The Feast of Weeks, which is Pentecost. Where did it happen? Hello? Where will Jesus come back to? And where will Jesus be seen by his people as they lament and cry and repent? And where will he rule the world for a thousand years from? So you see, there are the four festivals that were fulfilled in Jerusalem, and there are the three more that will be fulfilled in Jerusalem. Therefore, I think that the trumpet here is a trumpet of God in heaven just for us, but the feast of trumpet will be fulfilled upon the second coming of Jesus Christ, and then the Yom Kippur will be fulfilled right after when the Jews will lament, and they will, of course, uh, repent, and immediately they will finally understand what the Feast of Tabernacle is all about. In Jerusalem, of course it will affect everybody, but I think that the minute you start suspecting every year that it's going to happen in the Feast of Trumpets, first you say, I know the day, 
Second, you're disappointed every year. <laughs> hmm. All right? Can we put an end to this one? Good. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet of God and the dead in Christ will rise first. The guy you just buried. <laughs> and then we, say we, we who are alive and remain shall be cut up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord where? Now, it sounds like a cult. I'm telling you something, you repeat, and it sounds too fantastic. But that's not the case. You're just reading from the scriptures. This is the Bible. This is the Word of God. I can't believe we are going to fly up in the air. Well, you don't have to believe. But it's your problem. Because the Bible says that we are going to be caught up together with those who died before in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. Do you have a problem with that? Good. So the meeting place and the meeting point of us, the believers with Jesus is not on earth. The second coming of Jesus to earth is not for the church, it's with the church. And so, thus, and watch this, now it's important. So the minute we met Jesus, he came down, we went up, we meet halfway. What does the Bible say now? Thus what? Hmm, which means anywhere he goes, we go. He goes to the right hand of the Father, he goes to heaven, we're going there. He returns back to earth, guess what? He reigns. Hello? Therefore, comfort one another with these words. And there's those, of course, who says, how dare you? We need to go through the tribulation. We need to see some carnage. The heads of all the believers will roll down the aisle. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. Now, how did we even get to the word rapture? Of course, we all know that in the Greek, you have the word harpazo. In the Latin Bible, Vulgate, it was called rapturo, and therefore in the English Bible, it is rapture. So the word rapture is an English word. Don't look for it in the Greek or the Hebrew. You know, some people say to me, well, the word, the word rapture is not in the Bible. Of course, you're reading English. Hello? <laughs> the Bible was not written in English. Go to the Greek. In the Old Testament, go to the Hebrew. See what it says. And harpazo is to be caught up, to be taken away. Another time the word harpazo was mentioned is when Philip was with the Ethiopian in the cart, and then they stopped. And he baptized him, remember? And uh, 
the Ethiopian just got saved, come out of the water. <laughs> and he opens his eyes and Philip is gone. Because Philip was raptured. Now you can be raptured upwards or sidewards. Because <laughs> Philip was still here, but he was taken away. And the Ethiopian said to himself, this is too weird. I am not going to believe in this nonsense. Did he say that? How come people who believe for 30, 40, 50 years say it's ridiculous, and an Ethiopian who was a believer for 30 seconds could accept it as the work of God? Unbelievable. So one of the most important events for us is also the most mysterious ones. We know it will happen. We're sure it will happen. We believe it will happen. We have the hope it will happen. We are happy it is going to happen. We pray it will happen. We wait for it to happen. But not only do we not know the exact timing of the event, we actually have a very interesting declaration about it from Jesus himself. And he said in the Olivet Discourse in Matthew 24, but of that day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, but my Father only. Jesus basically says, look, I can tell you everything you want to know. Actually, you should have known exactly the day I came to earth, to Israel. How do you know that? Because we're going to see in a few seconds. The Bible gave us the exact day. The Bible also tells us when he will come back. Because it's going to be right at the end of the seven years tribulation. But regarding that day when he will take us, no one knows the hour. And there is a reason for that. The reason is very simple. He says, watch therefore, for you do not know the hour your Lord is coming. But know this, that if the master of the house had known what hour the thief would come, he would have watched and not allowed his house to be broken into. And if you want to understand the meaning of this verse, come tomorrow to McKinney, because we're going to talk about the ten virgins tomorrow. Therefore you also be... I, am I, have I just created a big problem right now? <laughs> I just realized that you cannot go to McKinney tomorrow unless you pre-registered because it's a smaller church. Okay. Therefore, listen up. Therefore you also be ready for the Son of Man is coming. What? When? At an hour you do not Except, expect, excuse me. <laughs> so, how can we know when it will happen? How can we know when the rapture? We do have in the Bible anchors that we can latch on to, that we can see, we can hold on to. The anchors could be people, it could be events, it could be many different things. First of all, one of the major anchors 
is a correct interpretation of Scripture. We've got the Bible, and we've got the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit can never give you one interpretation, and you the opposite interpretation, and it will be okay and acceptable. All scriptures are inspired by the Holy Spirit, thus they cannot contradict each other. The Spirit is the Spirit of truth, thus the Bible cannot give us false information. I'll give you an example, 2 Corinthians 5, 1 to 8, but we'll, we'll, look in, we'll start with it. We see, for we know that if our earthly house, this tent, is destroyed, we have building from God. I mean, this is a tent. We have a building from God. You go to 1 Corinthians chapter 15, you understand. I mean, look at you. Put your picture from 25 years ago right here. You're dying. We are dying. We're getting older and we're dying. This is a body that is in a process of decay. Whether you like it or not, this, look, death has entered into the world when sin came to the world, and that's it. David said in Psalm 51, he said, in sin my mother had conceived me. And it's interesting because we see that we are being promised a building, not a tent, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. It's very interesting because people, if you don't, if you misinterpret the scriptures, you would think that instantly anyone who dies receives what? That building. But it's not true because watch this. We're confident yet we please rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. And Philippians says, having a desire to depart and be with Christ, which is far better, he said. And in Romans 8, we are eagerly waiting for the adoption, the redemption of our body. In other words, that when somebody dies, there is a point, unless the rapture happened, where his soul and his body are separated. It's not immediately that he receives the new body. You understand that? Okay, however, however, to be able to enter into the heavens, you cannot enter with this body. You understand? Look at yourself right now. This body will not enter into heaven. It's a fallen body, and you must receive a new one. So the Bible says that first the dead, and then we are, we are going to change. And that corruption will wear incorruption. And we receive new body that will, and the new body has absolutely no problem with gravity. We're gone. The new body has to be different. It's a building, it's not a tent. I don't say you, I mean, I'm looking at myself also. It's a tent right now. Come on. You try to stoop down to tie your shoelace and... It's a tent. In heaven we'll have a building. So we have to remember 
that we are eagerly waiting for the revelation of Jesus Christ who will come and then, of course, will take us who are alive and the dead in Christ will be resurrected, of course, as well. And we will then, those who died in Christ will be reunited with their body. The body is buried right now in the cemetery of those who died and will be reunited, of course, in heaven. It's beautiful. We have that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us, that he might redeem us from every law deed and purify from every lawless deed and purify for himself his own special people zealous for good works. So we've got, first of all, the understanding that we must interpret the scriptures correctly. And you have to take more than one. You have to take all the scriptures that are talking about the same thing and then come up with your conclusion. Second, the Lord gave us Bible prophecy. Uh, nearly a third of the Bible is speaking of future events because God wants you to know the future. Isaiah 46 verses 9 and 10 says, Remember the former things of old, for I am God and there is no other. I am God, there is none like me, declaring the end from the beginning. And from ancient times, things that are not yet done, saying, my counsel shall stand, and I will do all my pleasure. So through Bible prophecy, you understand the timing of things, because the Lord gave us specific time frames for different things. In 2 Peter, it also says, know this, first of all, that no prophecy of Scripture is a matter of one's own interpretation. For no prophecy was ever made by an act of human will, but holy men of God moved as they were... They, the holy men of God uh, got this as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. This is, second, uh, uh, this is not uh, New King James. Hello. I recognize it from a mile. Um, let, me, let me read to you. I'm not sure why. Let me read to you the uh, second... Peter chapter 2, uh, verses 20 and 21. And he says this, Knowing this first, that no prophecy of Scripture is of any private interpretation, for prophecy never came by the will of man, but holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. So, uh, special people. And it's written. You don't have to go to a psychic somewhere. It's written. It's here. Hebrews 1 says, God, after he spoke long ago to the fathers in the prophets in many portions and in many ways. And let me read Hebrews also from my favorite, which is New King James, I will read. And God, who at various times and in various ways spoke in time past to the fathers by the prophets, has in these last days spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things, through whom he also made the world. So you see, the same God who spoke to the fathers through the prophets has now spoken to, uh, to us in Hebrews chapter 1 in, uh, through Jesus Christ. And you can see through this verse that the term last days began 2,000 years ago. 
This is why the Bible says we live in the last hour of the last days. Also, as we just heard so eloquently, current events, both political and spiritual, are a great anchor for us to understand where we are and when the rapture is about to take place. Now, of course, make no mistake, the rapture can take place any minute. Any minute. If Paul was sure it is going to happen at his lifetime, and he wrote with such assurance that we that are alive and remain, we will be caught up, then that means that there is nothing necessar necessarily that has to happen for the rapture to take place. But the fact of the matter is that the rapture hasn't taken place yet. We're still here. So now we know what Paul could not know, that God had in his plan for Israel to be back in the land, and for so many of those things that are pointing at the tribulation, to already begin while we are still here. Amazing. First of all, thankfully, he decided that. Otherwise, we wouldn't be alive today. He waited for us to be born. He saved us. And we're here excited. Then he also shared with us scriptures that are describing exactly what we're seeing today. When it comes to political things, we can see, of course, what we talked about earlier today, the alignment of certain countries in the Middle East like never before. You think that Russia and Turkey and Iran were ever friends? Kiss that thought goodbye. They hate each other. They never had any alliance like that in the history of planet Earth. Turkey wants to lead the Sunni world. Iran wants to lead the Shiite world. They hate each other guts. But for the first time ever in the history, they collaborate. It's beyond me. If it wasn't so described in Ezekiel 38, I would never even consider that to be a case. And you see that the peace deal that your president brokered just a few days ago brings us to the point where we see why the Sheba and Dedan, the merchants of Tarshish, Tarshish and their young lions, they are protesting that invasion that is about to come, saying, have you come to take plunder? Have you gathered your army to take booty, to carry away silver and gold, to take away livestock and goods, to take great plunder? That implies that the invasion into Israel has nothing to do with Israeli presence or Israeli occupation or Jewish versus uh, Islam. No, it has to do with stealing taking plunder, it has to do with something we found, something we have, some wealth that we have acquired that now they want to take. And over the last few years, Israel found, of course, trillions of cubic feet of natural gas, while Russia is desperately looking for it. Russia invested $60 billion in a gas pipe into Western Europe, to Germany, 97% of it was completed, and Donald Trump stopped it. Don't tell me that the Russians want Trump to be president. They cannot wait for him to leave the Oval Office. They colluded with the Germans behind the back of NATO and behind the back of the American, and they 
they started working behind the back of everyone on a deal that would make Putin, he's already the richest man in the world, I believe, even more rich. And one senator, one senator from this state stopped it. Ted Cruz. And not only that, America is saying to the Europeans, we can get you other gas, which is even cheaper if you just buy the one that Israel just found. <laughs> and the Russians are, for your might. They want to kill us. And we are now developing the East Mediterranean pipe from Israel towards Cyprus, to Greece, to Italy, to Western Europe. <laughs> the Iranian and the Turkish currency plunged over the last couple months, listen, to the lowest ever, 271,000 rials, Iranian rials for one US dollar. 7.6 Turkish liras for one US dollar. When Erdogan took, place, took position a few years ago, it was three point something. So you see, the Turks are trying to find gas and to find, oh, they can't find it. And they, it drives them crazy that Israel finds, that Cyprus finds, that Greece finds, they can't find it. So they send a research vessel escorted with submarines and, 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 and helicopters and F-16s, and it's moving anywhere they want, they can't find it. And that research vessel broke. Now they sent it back home. They're angry. And if that's not enough, the coalition of Ezekiel, which is ready, we see, as we already heard earlier today, we know this, that in the last days, perilous times will come, for men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers, without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, Traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, and having a form of godliness, but denying its power, and from such people turn away. And if that's not enough, look what God is doing with Israel. You know, you might take it for granted that the Jews are back in their land, but in, your grandparents would only dream of it. No, my grandparents were from Poland. They did not want to come to Israel in the early 1920s. There was, no, are you kidding me? Europe is much better. They flourished in Europe. Here in Israel, there was just desert and malaria. Speaking of malaria, why do you think in Africa COVID is almost not, does not exist? They take hydroxychloroquine, I mean, like candies, everywhere. And I want you to know that the Lord said, even in Deuteronomy through Moses, He says, I will gather you again from all the nations where the Lord your God has scattered you. If any of you are driven out of the Father's parts under heaven, from there the Lord God will gather you, and from there He will bring you. Isaiah 66 
described the moment David Ben-Gurion had to establish the state of Israel. You know, we had literally an hour to decide, statehood or no statehood. We signed the Declaration of Independence before we had it. We signed it on one piece of paper, and later on we sold it to the Declaration of Independence. Who has heard such a thing? Who has seen such things? Shall the earth be made to give birth in one day? Or shall a nation be born at once? For as soon as Zion... Don't let people say that Zionism is a bad word. As soon as what? Zion was in labor. If you believe that Israel's place, Israel is the place for the Jewish people, you're Zionist. You're probably saying, what are you talking about, Willis? <laughs> Zionism is basically your conviction that Israel is the, house of the, is the homeland of the Jewish people. That's all. For as soon as Zion was in labor, she gave birth to her children. Hmm. In Jeremiah 31, it says, this, in spite of what people say, that Israel is just a chapter, in a history that will pass. I want to tell you something. Thus says the Lord who gives the sun for a light by day, the ordinance of the moon and stars for a light by night, who disturbs the sea and its waves roar, the Lord of hosts is his name. If those ordinances depart from before me, says the Lord, say then. Amen. Now say it with an attitude of then. Then the seed of Israel shall also cease from being nation before me forever. In other words, when you walk outside and there is no sun, there's no moon, no stars, they're gone. Then Israel is no longer a nation before God. By the way, it's going to happen. You know when? When the Lord will make new heavens and new earth and new Jerusalem... There will be no more need for the sun, the moon, and the stars because Jesus will be the menorah that shines the light. There will be no more need for a temple. And Israel is no longer Israel. Anyone who dwells there is the people of God, the children of God. That's it. No more distinction between Jews. You understand it's going to happen one day. But until the eternity in the new heavens and new earth and new Jerusalem, Israel is still a nation that stands before God and no one can destroy them, not even the Antichrist. You can try, it won't work. Ask the Führer. <laughs> Daniel's vision is another anchor. Daniel's vision, I watch until thrones were put in place and the Ancient of Days was seated. His garment was white as snow and the hair of his head was like pure wool. His throne was a fiery flame, its wheels and burning fire, a fiery steam issued and came forth from before him. A thousand thousands ministered to him, ten thousand times, ten thousand stood before him. And the court was seated, and the books were open. And then I watched then, because of the sound of the pompous words, which that little horn that Pastor Barry talked about was speaking, I watched till the beast was slain. Ladies and gentlemen, everything we know about tribulation has already been foretold in the Old Testament. 
And in Daniel 9, the classic 70 weeks vision. The 70 weeks are not the history of the world. They are the history of Israel. 70 weeks, he said, are determined for your city and for your people, he said. So you have to understand, folks. He said, Know therefore and understand that from the going forth of the command to restore and build Jerusalem until Messiah the Prince will enter into the city, there shall be a seven weeks and 62 weeks and the streets shall be built again and the wall even in troublesome times. And after there was seven and 62, we all know, Messiah shall be cut off. And you all know, Sir, um, um, Sir Robert Anderson, who was, by the way, a um, officer in the uh, Scotland Yard. Just so you know, he wrote a book, *The Coming Prince*. He managed. He was a very smart guy. Who said that the Scots are? Now watch this. He said, "Look, in the Bible, seventy years." 70 times seven, 70, uh, me, 70 weeks are 70 units of seven years. A year in the Old Testament is 360 days. So we know exactly Jesus, we know exactly when Jesus had to have entered into Jerusalem. We know the day. How, how do we know the day? Because he said, from the moment the command to rebuild Jerusalem was given, count what? Seven and 62 weeks. Together is what? 69 weeks. 69 times 7 times 360 is 173,880 days. Which brings you to April 6, 32 AD. Boom! It's the Sunday before Passover. And Jesus entered Jerusalem that day. See, when God wants us to know a day, He's going to give us the day. But when God wants you not to know a day, He's going to tell you, no one knows the day and the hour. And someone says, I believe it's Rosh Hashanah. <laughs> well, the Bible says no one knows, so no one knows. You know how many YouTube videos there are out there that tells you exactly the day of the rapture? It's crazy, and all of them are ridiculous because they try to know Hebrew and <laughs> they just don't know Hebrew, and it's crazy. Of course, Jesus also said about the fig tree generation, learn this parable from the fig tree. When its branch has already become tender and puts forth leaves, you know that summer is near. So also you, when you see all these things, who is that fig tree that two chapters earlier was Israel? Of course it's Israel right now. And that fig tree is the rebirth of Israel. From that death of 2,000 years came back to life. And you know that the rebirth of Israel is the most important end time signs of all. And he says, you also, when you all see these things, know that it is near at the doors. Assuredly, I say to you, this generation this generation, say, 
my generation. My generation. Because a generation is the longevity of people from the moment of conception to their death, including the nine months of swimming lessons in your womb. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, all of you are alive, you belong to the same generation. Whether you're two-year-old or 90-year-old right now, this is a generation. And all of you live right to see today that Israel is back in the land. A Jew from the tribe of Judah is standing right in front of you right now, speaking with a broken English and with a tent. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, you see those things, as surely I said to you, this generation shall by no means pass away until these things take place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will by no means pass away. We've got also Ezekiel's prophecy. We touched about it before. Ezekiel 36, how the land was healed. Then the 37, how the people were saved from Europe and were brought by the Lord to their land. And you can see, behold, O oh my people, verses 9 to 14, I will open your graves and cause you to come up from your graves, and I will bring you into the land of Palestine. Next. Into the land of? Oh, wow, Israel. And then you shall know that I am the Lord when I have opened your graves, O oh, my people, and brought you up from your graves, and I will put my spirit in you, and you shall live, and I will place you in the Palestinians' own land. Oh, it's the Jewish people's own land. Hmm. How dare you say that? That's not social justice. Look, then you shall know. What's the purpose of God bringing the Jews back? What's the purpose of God saving them? What's the purpose of Him performing that and not any other person? So what? Then you shall know that I, the Lord, what? Have spoken it and performed it. It's me, God said. No one else. And of course, Ezekiel 38, we speak of the coming invasion in Ezekiel 39. So when will the rapture not happen? See, by, by, by the way of elimination, you, you probably will guess when it will. First of all, it will not happen when you think it will happen. <laughs> Again, in, therefore you also know, be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. It will not happen on the day that people say it will, 1 Thessalonians 5, we read it concerning the times and season. Therefore, ladies and gentlemen, you yourself know perfectly that the day of the Lord so comes as a thief in the night. Now, of course, it says that it's not as a thief in the night for us, in a sense that we do not live in the darkness in the night, but it is going to surprise earth dwellers. Two are going to be in the field. One is taken, one is there. Two are grinding the wheat. One is taken, one is dead. There's not going to be commercial on TV. Rapture tomorrow, 9 a.m. <laughs> it's going to happen. It will not happen during or after the tribulation. So, if you believe that the tribulation had already begun, hmm, you have been left behind. The Bible says, for God did not appoint us to the wrath, 
but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ in 1 Thessalonians 5. And you can see, therefore, what? Comfort each other and edify one another just as you also are doing. Don't sell them destruction. Don't sell them annihilation. Don't sell them a, the Antichrist. That's not for you. You should comfort one another and edify each other. 1 Thessalonians 1, look what he says. To wait for his Son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, even Jesus, who delivers you, or delivers us, what? From the wrath to come, not through the wrath to come. If that's not enough, Revelation 3 to the church of Philadelphia, I also will keep you from the hour of trial which shall come upon the whole world to test those who dwell on the earth. This is why Pastor Barry just read that the Antichrist in chapter 13, he will blaspheme not only God and his tabernacle, but also the dwellers of heaven. Hello? They won't be here. There's the earth dwellers during the tribulation, and there is heaven's dwellers in the tribulation. It will not happen after the Antichrist is revealed, as we already know, because 2 Thessalonians says, Let no one deceive you by any means, for that day will not come unless the falling away comes first and the man of sin is revealed. And then he moves on and says, let no one deceive you by any means, for that day will not come unless the falling... Oh, excuse me. Continue to the fact when it says, for the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. Only he who now restrains will do so until he is what? Taken out of the way. Now, remember how we say then? Then! Say that again. Then the lawless one will be revealed, whom the Lord will consume with the breath of his mouth and destroy with the brightness of his coming. Now, will the rapture trigger the tribulation? Maybe. Well, we don't know. Who? Do you care? I see whole people write books about it. So what do I care? All I care is that I'm out of here. I'm checking out. Will the hotel be full after I'm done? Who cares? Will the hotel serve great food once I checked out? Who cares? They don't serve any food right now. Remember, Daniel says that he shall confirm a covenant with many for one week. So we know that the tribulation will be the last week of those 70 weeks. It's not for us, it's for Israel. It's about Israel. It's a description of the, the whole history of Israel. Do you understand that? So for us, adios amigos. That's why, by the way, one of the names of the tribulation is the what? Jacob's trouble. Will, the rapture, will there be a gap between the rapture and the tribulation? I want you to say, who cares? <laughs> Somebody just wrote a book about it. And I'm like, 
a gap? Okay, let's say there is a gap. But... Look, what I care about is what I see right now in the church, where I see pastors saying that the fig tree is not Israel. Where I see pastors saying that Genesis 12:3 is not about Israel. I will bless you, bless you, and curse the one who curses you. Where I see that pastors are saying that there is no rapture. That's what I care about. Because right now, when we're still here, that deception is going on. Remember, all Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, reproof, correction, instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped, uh, may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. And it also said, but the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, He will teach you all things and bring your remembrance all things that I said to you. And if Jesus said in Matthew 22 that the fig tree is Israel. Speaking of Israel, describing the fig tree, why would in Matthew 24 it's not Israel? And what's the point of mentioning a fig tree if it's just a tree? The rapture will not happen. It will happen, and it has to happen before the tribulation. And we know that it is God's way of doing things. He removes the righteous before he pours his judgment upon the unrighteous, as he did in Genesis 19. Take them out of this place, for we will destroy this place, because this outcry against them has grown great before the face of the Lord, and the Lord has sent us to destroy it. So Lot went out and spoke to his sons-in-law, who had married his daughters, and said, Get up! And get out of this place, for the Lord will destroy this city. We see that in Genesis 19. We also know how Noah was lifted up as the flood covered the earth. Take a look at this chart. This is a picture of, the end, of, 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 of what the Bible, through the prophet Daniel and all the other prophets, is talking about the end time to look like. You can clearly see Daniel's 70 weeks are separated. 7 and 62 happen already at the very beginning, before the church was born. And Jesus, of course, coming to, uh, um, to the land of Israel, and then, of course, upon his departure, he sent the Holy Spirit, and the church age thus had begun. But you see, we are right now at the very end, and right after the rapture, we can see, starts the 70th week, that last week, the seven weeks, that one week that is left to be, um, of course, to be fulfilled. You can see, as we go up, we go up and Christ returns down and we meet in that cloud. That cloud. This particular one. <laughs> Christ, seven years later, at the end of that last week, returns with the church in his second coming to establish the millennial kingdom. And at the end of the millennial kingdom, 
we are going to come to the point where the great white throne judgment is going to happen, the books will be open, and anyone who is not written in the Lamb's book of life goes down to the lake of fire, and of course the believers will be in the new Jerusalem as the new heaven and new earth and new Jerusalem are coming down. And you can clearly see that this is a beautiful picture, and we are where? We are at the very, very, very edge before the tribulation begins. Look, we don't know where the rapture is going to happen. But we know that the tribulation is around the corner. We just heard a whole message about it. Hello? So we understand, to summarize this whole thing, we understand how close are we to the rapture? Very, very, very. Because we see the convergence of so many prophecies right now. You know that in your lifetime, more prophecies have been fulfilled than any other generation since the time of Jesus Christ. How can we, seeing all this conver uh, convergence? Little children, it is the last hour. And as you have heard, that the Antichrist is coming even now, many antichrists have come, but which we know that this is the last hour. For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in the present age, looking for the blessed hope and glorious appearing. Appearing, by the way, is when he comes like that. That's not his second coming where he stays. He appears in the sky. The blessed and glo the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from every lawless deed and purify for himself his own special people, zealous for good works. Father, we thank you so much for this blessed hope. We thank you that you have prepared your people for all good works, that you have indeed purified and redeemed us and from every lawless deed, and we are your own special people. We thank you, Father, that you gave us anchors of Scripture and current events. We see political and spiritual developments around the world, we see all you spoke through the prophets a long time ago. And we see that great convergence. And we are so ready to be, to be out of here. We're so ready. And Lord, we, we are not going to try and rebuke you for being late because you're never late. You are long-suffering, not willing that any should perish. That all should come to the knowledge of Jesus. But we also know, Father that the time will come and the door will be closed. In an unexpected moment, boom, we will be out of here. And Father, you told us just to be ready, to be sober and to be watchful. And that's what we want to do in conferences like this and in teachings like this and, and in, in, in uh, gatherings of the saints, of the watchmen from all over the world. We want to be ready. We want to be watchful. We want to be sober. We want, Father, we, know, we don't know the day. We don't know the hour. We have no clue. But who cares? If we're ready, 
Any minute you take us, we are going to be out of here. We bless your name. We thank you. We bless you. We do all of that in the matchless and the most beautiful name of the Holy One of Israel, Yeshua, the Lamb of God, the Prince of Peace, the Lord of Lords, the Lion of the tribe of Judah, Emmanuel. In the name of Jesus, we pray. And all of God's people say, Amen. Thanks for listening to this podcast featuring Amir Sarfati, founder and president of Behold Israel. Connect with Behold Israel on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. Download our free app available on Android and Apple under Behold Israel. Amir's teachings can be found in multiple languages. You can also visit our website, beholdisrael.org.